We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi guys, Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast with Sean Siegel. We are closing in on 200 episodes and it's competition time, but more on that in just a moment. I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, as always, you can save yourself 10% off a road of his NFL pass. All you need to do is enter that code RVRADIO2021 at checkout on the website or go to roadofhis.com forward slash podcast for more information. You can get all the access to all of the great tools on the site, all of the content. Get yourself ready to win your fantasy championships this upcoming season. I mentioned competition time. Well, now here's the news. 200 episodes coming up here for myself and Sean. We're giving away some Rotoviz subscriptions. It's super simple to enter. Just drop a five-star review for Rotoviz Overtime on your favorite podcast app for a chance to win. The top prize is a three-month subscription and an appearance on a future Rotoviz Overtime podcast to get a talk with myself and Sean. Already have a Rotoviz subscription? Thank you for that. But don't worry, if you win, we'll add it on to your current subscription. So what are you waiting for? Drop that review today for the Road of His Overtime podcast. And of course, when you're there, drop a rating for today's show as well that you're listening along to. Thanks as always for being a loyal podcast listener on Road of His Radio. Enjoy the show. We're reacting to the 2021 NFL Draft on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Travis May, our Devi coordinator and host of the College Canton College to Canton podcast, the uh, Justin Production Index, and many many things uh, here at Rotoviz. He's filling in for Curtis. 
broke down a lot of interesting guys for us on Tuesday. Moving into Wednesday, we're going to continue with some round two guys, uh, maybe get into some round three guys. Um, and we're going to start with a player that I find very interesting. But before we do that, Travis, I have to ask you as somebody that does Devi, Dynasty, NFL, uh, you have so much stuff that you need to cover. How do you do it? Like, how do you keep on top of all of the uh, all of this stuff? Because you're one of those people that just pulls it all off of their head, um, you know. And I'm sure you 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 leverage the road of his tools and all, but still, like, how are you keeping up on top of everything? Uh, you know, to be honest, it's just like a building layered process that, that has taken years upon years to kind of uh, build up a library of uh, prospects ahead of time. And I, I nerd out with. Uh, super deep Debbie leagues that have like a hundred rounds and 25 new rounds of uh, players at any stage of, of, of ball. <laughs> like I'm looking at, uh, like I literally have a league where we can, if you wanted to draft your unborn son, you could mm-hmm. like, like, so, you know, we're, we're looking at like, you know, freshmen, sophomore juniors in high school and uh, the best players in the country and trying to figure out, uh, you know, and project NFL draft capital off of, <laughs> of that. It's insane. And yeah, and so, like, you know, you nerd out that deep. And then, you know, once the, once they're a junior in, in college, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been following this guy for six years. And, you know, it's like, you know, like this year, for example, like Najee Harris, like he committed to Alabama in April of 2015. And it's like that. So I've been talking about Najee Harris for freaking six years now. It's like, man, it's really cool. It's like he finally made it. And that's awesome. And so, um, but you don't just like get there because there's 130 FBS teams. So it's a lot. But I mean, o- over time, you get to know all the big coordinators, all the big coaches, all the top players. And really, after they blow up as a true freshman, there's only a, you know, a few dozen that you have to really learn yeah. every year. And you probably already knew 30 of them, you know, 25 of those 30 just off of recruiting. Uh, so it just kind of builds, uh, but it's it's taken several years to get to a place where I'm like, okay, I know who all the coordinators are in college, and you know who the wide receiver three is for Western Michigan, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. It is but insane. Yeah, that's really cool. So if you haven't gathered based off of our episode on Tuesday, Travis is one of the single most informed people that you're going to find out there. So I don't want to waste any more time before we start talking about Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU, goes at pick 57. He was the guy that I thought it was possible at points we could see him going in round one. Seems like there were some medical concerns that pushed him back. Quick reminder on the profile, ended his career at 20.7, weighs 205 pounds, about 6'2", fast ran the 40 in it was around like a 44 i think some places reporting a 438 has solid athleticism comps to guys like chris godwin miles boykin randall cobb dj chark and you got to remember when you go back and you look at a lot of the production that he would have had in college it might not pop from as much of an analytic standpoint but of course he was playing with jamar chase and justin jefferson at points in his career which will tend to do that uh goes to the panthers man uh let's just talk first of all about what he might be able to do in the context of that offense that dj moore and specifically robbie anderson might not be able to do and then you know what your thoughts on that landing spot were 
Yeah, so I think a lot of people when they see, oh man, Robbie Anderson and and DJ Moore and you know, they, they, you know, they're forgetting, you know, Samuel's gone now, and so there were a lot of targets around uh, that are now departed. Yep. Uh, and based on how that offense functions, they like uh, going through three guys, and so I think he has a, an underrated opportunity going into a situation where he is he is playing under his uh, college offensive coordinator and Joe Brady, who built the best offense in college football history, essentially, uh, and really orchestrated his, his first breakout uh, and, and was incredible in doing so in 2019. And people, they look at the raw numbers of Terrace Marshall and like, man, he, he played in 12 games and he'll, you know, only had 671 receiving yards. And, you know, when you look at his adjusted, like percentage, like receiving yard market share, and it's not that great that year, even so. And, but it was with Jamar Chase. It was with Justin Jefferson. And and at the same time in those 12 games, he had 13 touchdowns and people don't understand also that he actually was playing hollow most of the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember being at the Vanderbilt LSU game uh, and it was basically a home game for LSU, like 90% fans for LSU. I get super cheap Vandy season tickets because my wife, my wife works there. Yeah. And um, it was just hilarious watching like these accountants in, in future, like, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, doctors and other people that, you know, they're, they're basically playing future NFL, like nothing but future NFL players. And then these guys that barely have any right to even be being playing football, uh, it, Vandy, essentially, it's just a bad program. Uh, it's just, it was terrible. I think Jamar chase literally lit him up for like four touchdowns that day. And, um, but it was that game where Terrace Marshall actually injured himself uh, his his ankle for the first time in a significant way, and and it was thought that Marshall was going to be out for a really long time, but because he was determined, he came back early and fought through uh, really bad ankle problems, and even so, almost caught what thirty percent of his receptions were were touchdowns that year, leading the nation in touchdown percentage, and so he was just a freak animal, uh, just found a way to score. Uh, no matter what, and it was doing it again this past fall. Again, if you if you want to just be impressed by anybody, yep. any wide receiver, go watch Terrace Marshall's. Even if, even if you're not a film guy, go watch Terrace Marshall's Missouri game last year. Like ten catches for 200 plus yards, just a, a, just an annihilation. Uh, so he he was taking over when he was the guy last fall. So I'm excited to see him plug in right away. I think he can he can take some market share early, and then Robbie Henderson. I think he's on the last year of his contract as well. So. After this year, it could be the DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall show. You know, honestly, that's where I am to a large extent because, yeah, there's things that Robbie Anderson can do that are useful, and I think DJ Moore is fantastic, but I think Terrace Marshall is really good, and I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that we see Marshall come in and kind of force out Anderson to some extent of that role that he had last year. You know, Anderson struggled to score touchdowns. Marshall has a freak score of 88 looks like he should be able to produce touchdowns you mentioned what he was able to do while he was at LSU and you also made the point that Curtis Samuel vacated 97 targets uh for a player like Marshall that might be all he needs to really get his footprint you know marked in Carolina in year one and I think as we look forward you could then have this duo where we have DJ Moore and Harris Marshall just making it really hard for defenses to account for both of them. We need to see what Sam Darnold looks like outside of New York. But nonetheless, if Marshall slips because of this landing spot, I am going to be drafting him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think he will because uh, the initial perception per- was, uh, you know, for most people, it's like, oh, crap. Well, that's that's a terrible ending spot. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yep. Like his offensive coordinator basically reached for him. Like they, they want to build around Marshall in that offense. So it's 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 a great spot long term. Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing about it, too, is I feel like <laughs> some people, they see Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore and they would have, you know, if like if Marshall had gone there, of course, that would have been, you know, maybe in the first round, but people would have been getting excited. But to me, Carolina is a much better landing spot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the target share and just the raw, raw volume of that yep. overall offense is so much better than, than the, the Ravens situation. So, yeah, I, I like it. Nice. All right. Let's talk about our tight end. We have not talked about a tight end since we would have talked about Kyle Pitts last week. So we have Pat Fryermuth. Can you give us the official pronunciation? So it's weird. Like it, I believe it's Fryermuth. I've I've heard everybody just start saying Fryermuth for a while. Uh, but I, the announcers in college and every game I've ever ever watched until draft season said Fryermuth. So maybe I don't even know at this point. And, and like you got play, players uh, changing their name, like uh, <laughs> Jason Owe changing it to Odafe Owe. Yeah. Like who knows at this point? But. Uh, uh, he was a guy that I was a lot of people. It's not just me. Uh, they were high on really early on with his red shirt freshman season, accounting for, you know, like 30% of the offense yep. essentially right out of the gates and uh, looking like he was the real deal. And uh, people calling him baby Gronk, even, I don't know, three years ago, uh, just cause he was 87 and, um, you know, just, just looked like he did a lot of the same thing and he was really complete. He, he blocks well. He's, he's a decent athlete, although he didn't really prove it throughout draft season. Um, and he was a, a monster touchdown score. I think he had eight scores in his freshman year. So uh, red, shirt, red shirt freshman year anyway. So I, I like him. I think he's got the most balanced skill set of any tight end in this class. And now he's got the, the draft capital and he goes to a situation where, yes, they, they've underutilized tight ends. But I think uh, uh, there's still an, an opportunity for him to be the touchdown scorer early on. Yeah, you know, an interesting thing, career um, receiving touchdown market share of 0.3 that yeah, is really insane. impressive insane. i mean when yeah. you yeah if you look at his comp list out of the box score scout i mean there's very few players even getting anywhere near that like aaron hernandez for example we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
remarkable point when it granted he played at Florida might have been a little bit different, but Martellus Bennett at, te- at Texas A&M, 0. 0.24. Uh, you know, even John o. Smith at a school like Florida International was only at 0. 0.31. So I think that speaks to just how yeah. impressive he was. Um, the Steelers, it's kind of they're kind of an odd team right now in the fact that you have Ben getting older. They have a group of really good um, receivers. Of course, we also saw Eric Ebron and what he was able to do um, on 91 targets last year in Pitt. We know it's a slow developing position, uh, so it might take him some time. But I think from a dynasty perspective, are we slating him in at number two in the class behind Kyle Pitts? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I think you have to. I I certainly am. I really wanted to get excited about Brevin Jordan, but uh, for uh, reasons unbeknownst to me, he he kept on falling. Uh, Had some similar uh, breakout numbers early on, but if if you look at the the contract situation for Eric Ebron, he's clearly... Uh, clearly not the long-term solution there. So I think they're just looking to uh, get their, their, you know, their next Heath Miller. Uh, that's actually a better receiver uh, lined up here. And so that's going to be, that's going to be a big pat. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Dwayne Eskridge went at pick 56 to the Seattle Seahawks. He's a guy that our listeners might not have heard that much about. Does have a 90th percentile 40 yard dash ran a four, three, eight, He's older, though, but we'll probably talk about that. Almost 24, uh, 68 inches, 190 pounds. At Western Michigan, um, the season in which he played 12 games, which was the most of his career in 2017, had three touchdowns, 506 receiving yards. Uh, Fast forward to 2020, six games, um, eight receiving touchdowns, 33 wrecks, 768 yards. Granted, he was very old at this point, but it was a pretty solid season, receiving dominator of 0.45. Can you kind of talk to us about kind of that career arc, why his profile is a little bit different and what the Seahawks might have seen in him? Yeah, so it's a little weird because, you know, he was like this wide receiver for a bit, and then he went and played defensive back out of necessity for Western Michigan, and, and then went back to wide receiver, and really it took him... He kind of almost, if you squint, he kind of almost broke out like in his third year. Yep. Uh, but uh, in his fifth year, he absolutely exploded. Western Michigan actually had a, a fun trio of wide receivers and and uh, Dwayne Eskridge, Jalen Hall, who was basically just their deep threat specialist, and Sky Moore, who was like this little miniature guy who could just find the open space. And it, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's going to be fun again because they're bringing back uh, quarterback Caleb Ellaby, who, by the way, just had perhaps the most efficient quarterback season of all time in college football. Uh, if you adjust for play action percentage, especially, or a few other metrics, he basically was the most efficient passer uh, passer in the country last fall. Uh, and it was because, partially because, Dwayne Eskridge and, and that offense and that scheme and what they asked him to do, Eskridge just exploded. Had like I think he almost almost a yard and a half more yak per target than any other player in all of college football. I'll say it again, like a yard and a half more in terms of yards after catch per target than any, anyone in the country. That's more than Devonte Smith. That's more than like, you know, Kadarius Tony or whatever, whoever oh else wants to yep. get excited about. That's more than even speedsters like Anthony Schwartz and 
other names that you would know at the position. Um, and so just dominating, obviously it's a lower level competition. It's, it's the Mac. Uh, don't get too excited. It was a six game sample. So he feels like a small sample tra- trap because he had like a 98th percentile adjusted production index out of nowhere in just one season in six games. But still that offense was the most efficient group of five conference offense in college football. And it looks like it was because of him. So he's got some speed. He's got a former track background. He, he does a lot of, a lot of things well, but uh, he's going to have to, you know, clean, clean up some things and contribute more uh, than just like a, you know, RPO slant and yeah. RPO kind of like delayed uh, post route, which basically that, that accounted for like 40% of his production last fall. He's going to have to round some things out. Uh, but uh, I think the, the Seahawks, uh, they've already proven they can take a guy with a limited skill set like DK Metcalf. He basically only ran, only ran two routes in college and just basically use them to their strengths. And if they do that with Eskridge, they're going to find a, a decent player. Yeah, so you know it's 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 kind of cool that he ends up with Russell Wilson because Wilson is a quarterback that we have seen somehow manage to keep a lot of the receivers he he's played with very efficient, which is something that you're going to need Eskridge to do because we did have 129 targets go to DK Metcalf last year, 132 go to Tyler Lockett, uh, David Moore was third on the team in targets at 47. So they're a team where there's a large concentration in their top two guys. Eskridge is going to have to be efficient, but if there's a place where he could do it, it seems like this is one of the best fits for him. Let's talk about a player that I did not see coming at pick 77. I was not expecting this. (laughs) Josh Palmer goes to the Chargers. This is a player that in his career scored seven receiving touchdowns in 42 games, only had 1,514 total yards, career receiving dominator of 0.16. His closest comp is Muhammad Masakoy, Joe Quinn Iglesias, Patrick Turner, Gary Jennings, Joss Huff, Kevin Norwood, Ricardo Lewis, Derek Williams, Jehu Chesson, Ty Montgomery. I'm going to venture that our listeners do not remember many of those players. Do you have a theory as to why the Chargers, a team which had a guy in Jalen Guyton coming on, it felt like last year, already has Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, uh, and just added Jared Cook, felt compelled to go and get Josh Palmer? Yeah, you know, uh, it's hard to make a really good case for Palmer. But if you squint and you understand the mess that he was he was dealing with at the University of Tennessee, he got there. Bush Jones made the program a dumpster fire. Then they bring in this guy, Jeremy Pruitt, a head coach, who's basically just a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And he tried to out Alabama, Alabama. And they went through a number of quarterbacks and for some reason kept on going back to Jarrett Garantano. Uh, and this past year, even, even in this past year where they should have had things figured out, they still messed around with three different quarterbacks and, and uh, he was dealing with uh, just, just overall bad offensive play all around him. Um, so if you if you squint, his adjusted production profile isn't isn't terrible, uh, but he basically doesn't have a breakout, true breakout ever. He was stuck behind guys like Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, uh, both of which you know had brief like cups of coffee here and there in the in the NFL uh, th- this past year. But 
you know, the entire program's falling apart at Tennessee. I mean, both of their starting running backs uh, left the program. Uh, they, they're running back. Their quarterback uh, that came in this year is already in trouble. Like, they, it's just – if you understand, like, what a dumpster fire that program has become, mm-hmm. you kind of understand it's hard to do anything in that program. And he, But if he does anything well, it is be a deep threat and, and win – deep and and have a uh, good read on the ball and that's that's about all i can say for josh Palmer. i don't know if that's ever going to lead to significant fantasy football that value uh, and i'm not betting on it but i love that he got the, the capital and that's really the only argument for taking palmer at all in a four-round fantasy draft for rookies yeah because and this was one of the things that i think we talked about when we had the rookie summit over the weekend that sean was really talking about was just how often do you see a guy that did nothing in college come in and do something um which is definitely a fair point um there could be a little bit of a glimmer of hope but you know this is not a player that i think it makes sense to sink a lot of um capital in your rookie draft into uh also i'm just looking at this and i have to point this out man justin herbert liked him some keenan allen 147 targets last year pretty impressive uh so what we're saying is josh palmer's not going to come in and eat away at that target share it sounds like <laughs> not not too significantly no, no I, I would not move the needle at all for your keenan allen shares uh, just because palmer came in yes uh all right the final question for you so you currently live in tennessee um keeping in mind how focused you are on debbie do you ever try and i actually don't know what the high school football scene is like in tennessee have you had any players that like you've actually tried to go see in person that you followed through their career or anything like that uh, yeah so like i actually i am the uh fellowship of christian athletes character character coach for like almost like a team chaplain for the blackman baseball team oh cool uh, this year and that's actually where master teague went uh, who's been a running back for Ohio State. And so, like, he might still pan out. And so that'd be interesting. It's also the high school where David Price, uh, the Major League Baseball pitcher, went. Yep. But there's a bunch of bunch of guys uh, that I'm currently excited about in, in the area. Uh, the rival high school um, has this really good running back named Jordan James. It's there right now and a couple other top players. The thing about Middle Tennessee and Nashville area – uh, and really uh, southeast of town and just south of town, they all have some really good – good talent like there's these brothers the wade brothers who are going to be at uk next year uh there's this kid named barry and brown who's going to probably go to alabama he's already committed to alabama next year so basically the next the, the next uh, alabama wide receiver to get excited about essentially uh, so yeah it's it's always fun because i do try to catch uh, a couple couple games here and there uh clemson's new tight end uh he's a freshman this year i his name is escaping me at the moment but he's uh uh Brining, it's Jake, it's Brining Stool. Yeah, Jake Brining Stool. He's going to be probably a significant factor uh, as a receiving tight end for Clemson. There's always guys that I try to try to get out and see, uh, but uh, I haven't been here long enough to to be in the high school scene actually to see uh, you know follow a guy all the way through. Yeah. But uh, there will be some names here soon. That's for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, Travis, really appreciate you coming on. This was awesome to break down these guys with you. As a reminder to everybody out there at ff underscore travis m do yourself a favor start listening to the college to canton podcast now if you aren't so that you will know all about these guys when they eventually get into the nfl any closing thoughts for us anything else you want to you want to share quickly before we close this out travis nope uh, just uh draft good players and uh you'll have a, a great great uh, rookie season that's 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 the strat right 
Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotoVizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit RotoViz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.